Hello everyone, it is me, Anna. Welcome to the second episode of your favorite young adult bookworm. This week I will talk about Crave from Tracy Wolf. I know I said I was going to talk about the sequel of The Red Queen, but I haven't had the time to finish reading it since I have lots of papers to write for my university courses. You may be wondering, but Anna, how did you have time to read Crave but not the other book? Well, actually, I read Crave and its sequel just before reading The Red Queen. I read The Red Queen right after my amazing co-worker Catherine Roy recommended it to me. We, are re we realized we are into the same kind of books and now we have our own little book club. She was the one who gave me the idea of creating this podcast. So if you are enjoying this, it is all thanks to her and to my friends Melissa and Telma who have been telling me to do something like this for a while now. In this episode, like last time, I will retell the story and add some comments. Now, let's talk about the book. The story is told by Grace Foster, the main character. She is your typical, I am not like the other girls. I have brown curly hair. I have freckles. I am short. I have big boobs and therefore I am so ugly. I also like to read so I am different from all the girls because the other girls are pretty and like makeup and shopping. So, this super basic, unlike other girls, lost her parents in a car accident recently. Any good paranormal young adult book needs to start with a tragic incident that makes the unlike other girls go, um, go from normal to interesting due to her internal suffering, because she blames herself, and no one in this world understands her pain, only the main guy will understand her, and they will fall in love because because they understand each other's pain. As I was reading these uh, first pages of the book, I knew that was going to be basically the love story. So predictable. But that doesn't mean I was not eager to read it because uh, I love those basic storylines. Who am I kidding? That is why I keep reading these books. Now, back to the story, Grace moves to Alaska. She's going to finish high school in this boarding school uh, called Katmir Academy. I'm not sure about the pronunciation, but I'm just going to call it Katmir Academy, where she and uh, where her uncle, sorry, is the headmaster. But she's a California girl who has never experienced the cold and has never seen the snow. And if this was not clear since the beginning when she said, when she said it, do not worry. Because she, almost in every chapter, she's going to remind you that she is from California and she is not used to the snow. Her cousin Maisie goes pick her up the, at the airport and brings her to the academy. While Maisie goes to look for her dad, Grace stays at the main floor of the academy and everyone is looking at her. The exact opposite of what she wants because, you know, she hates attention, unlike other girls. And while she's waiting, she's toying with a chess piece. Um, the pieces of this chessboard, instead of being the normal black and white, they are dragons and vampires. When I read that, I was like, okay, so our paranormal characters are going to be vampires and dragons, obviously. And while she's playing with the vampire queen, Mr. Obviously the main character arrives, Jackson Vega. He's unbelievably attractive. He's tall, slim, but still a little bit muscular. He has a pale complexion. 
He has longish dark hair that intends to cover a scar on his face that should make him unattractive, but that just makes him more attractive, obviously. Oh, and he has this penetrating dark eyes. He approaches Grace and tells her to be careful with the vampire queen, and Grace goes like, what the fuck? And I was like, okay. But well, because of that, I knew he was going to be a vampire. And I was sure he was also going to be that bad boy who has a traumatic past because of the scar. And he was probably in so much pain. And Grace was going to understand his pain since she is in pain too. And she was going to be the only one to understand him. I mean, what is more romantic than two broken people falling? in love with each other well nothing that is basically my favorite kind of love story and it was even better because it has vampires my favorite paranormal being and well jackson warns her about the academy he tells her she needs to leave and she's like mm, okay rude but she's not like your normal girl who will have been scared she's not because she has already lost everything valuable to her so she snaps back at him and he is shocked because no one had ever dared to do so one a cliche love story i swear and then from hostile they go to almost kissing in just like one second because when they looked at each other's eyes they could see the sadness in each other how broken they both were and grace says that she has this weird attraction for him i assume at the beginning it was because they were destined to be with each other but it is not exactly that they explained to us later what this connection is. Jackson leaves, Macy and the uncle arrive, the uncle tells her how much he loves her and blah blah, then he asks Flint, one of the popular kids who is really handsome and nice, to help her out with her suitcases. He's hot and nice, this only could mean second male lead. Flint basically carries her and her suitcases upstairs because she has altitude sickness, you know, because she's from California, she's not used to the altitude, and she is dying all the time because of her altitude sickness. So since he carries her and her suitcases upstairs, it is clear he has some supernatural strength. And since the other pieces of chess were dragons, I assume right away he was a dragon, you know? Grace shares a bedroom with her cousin Macy, who decorated all of Grace's side of the room hot pink, since Grace mentioned when she was like seven that hot pink was her favorite color. You, you may be wondering, why are you telling us this? It seems unimportant to the plot. You will see, I thought the same thing, but since Grace keeps mentioning and mentioning the damn hot pink, I had to bring that up. I mean, okay, Macy decorating all in hot pink was funny the first time she mentioned it, but it gets exasperating when she keeps mentioning and mentioning it over and over again. But well, Grace is not that stupid and she knows there's something weird happening in this academy. It is unlike any other schools and students are different, but she can't put a finger in what is going on quite yet. 
On her first night there, she wakes up during the night since she can't sleep, so she decides to go for a night walk, even though many people had told her not to go around alone, but she didn't care, so she went out with her Harry Styles pajamas and her Converse. Yeah, you heard right, she is not wearing the most mainstream shoes and she does not listen to mainstream mainstream music since she's not like the other basic girls, clearly. Anyhow, she goes out alone and in her walk she encounters two guys who just came from outside without jackets on and they were talking about how the moon triggered them today, so... We know they're werewolves, you know. They basically try to kill her, but our dark Prince Charming Jackson arrives and saves her. Later on, Macy organizes a welcome party for Grace. Grace wears this short dress and she feels so ugly because of her big boobs. But everyone is awed by her. So cliche, I swear. At the party, we learn that there are different groups and that they don't mix. Jackson's has a name. It is called The Order. I cringe a little bit when I read that. Um, They're all tall and slim and pale, so obviously vampires. Um, Then there is Flint's one, the dragons, the werewolves one, and Macy's, where they all wear colorful clothes and crystals. It all hints that they are witches and warlocks. And Macy, who is always worried about Grace and goes with her everywhere, at the party, she ditches her to make out with her boyfriend, Cam. I was like, this doesn't make sense, but sure. Grace hangs a little with Flint, then she makes eye contact with Jackson, and she almost chokes while drinking her favorite beverage, Dr. Peppers. And an important detail, since she keeps saying that it is her favorite beverage, she gets em- embarrassed and instead of just fading in the background like any normal person will do when they are embarrassed, she decides to run, like, to run out of the party because that's her way of being discreet and not uh, attracting everyone's attention, but whatever. She arrives at the library where she meets Leah. Leah invites her to her room and makes tea for her. Then she tells Chris she used to be Hudson's girlfriend who died the previous year and Hudson happens to be Jackson's brother. Well, late brother since he's dead, you know. Leah is also a vampire if you were wondering. The next day, she goes for a walk in the snow and she puts like six layers of clothing when it's basically minus 13 degrees Celsius, but she's scared she's going to die from hypothermia. She's always scared she's going to die from hypothermia when it is not that cold. My friend Catherine, who read the book with me, checked online the temperature since it is on Fahrenheit and we do Celsius here. Both of us living in Canada, we found absurd that the six layers of clothing, you know? Um, And it's 13, it's not that cold, believe me. (laughs) Anyhow, on her walk, she sees Jackson and Leah intensely discussing. When they see her, they stop. It is a hint for us. There is something sketchy happening there. Oh, and Grace notices that they are not wearing jackets, you know, suspicious. To be honest, I don't know why she has not realized they are paranormal. I mean, every time they mention Flynn, they go like, because he's a trap. And then they change the subjects. And she never questions it. She's like, chill, you know, um, Flint is a drab, whatever, he is a dragon, goddammit, but whatever, 
Later on, Flint invites her and Macy to a snow fight because they are in Alaska and obviously they like they have to have a snow fight because that is the thing you do for fun in the north, you know. Flint comes to pick them up and on their way to the snow fight, Jackson appears and Grace has the audacity to invite him to the snow fight as if not half the people she knows had told her that she's either Flint or Jackson's friend because of reasons they cannot explain. When I read that, I thought it was because dragons and vampires didn't get along or something, but it's more complicated than that. But whatever, in this epic encounter, Flint and Jackson are about to fight because hashtag men and grace gets in between them grace who know who has known them for literally two days and says i basically know you guys do not fight you are so much better than this and everyone is looking at her this new girl who is so basic yet not so basic because she has the two hottest guys from school fighting for her because she is not like the other girls in the snow fight, she teams up with Macy and Flint. She's having lots of fun and then it all goes south when they climb a tree to throw snowballs to the competitors since suddenly there is a super strong wind that hits the tree and Grace falls. But Flint jumps after her and turns his body so she lands on him. After that, Grace thanks Flint and gets surprised by him not getting hurt at all. But she's like chill guess he got lucky not suspicious at all he i just fell like on him like from a tree but chill you know it is so obvious he's a freaking dragon but whatever uh when she's checking on him jackson and the order arrive and he gets all territorial over her and he's about to attack flint but then she goes in between them again and goes like guys i know you you are better than this then jackson decides he's escorting her and macy to her room on their way back he realizes grace is in pain since she twisted her ankle so he lifts her up and carries her up to her room when they arrive he checks her ankle takes care of her what a dream of a boy to be honest when he leaves macy is like Oh my gosh, he's so into you, Grace. Oh my gosh. And Grace, like every main character, goes like, don't be silly, we're just friends. How could this godlike boy who has clearly shown me that he likes me, like me? Me, a totally average looking girl. Insert here rolling eyes emoji. The next day, she can't go to class because she has a twisted ankle and she just had her second near-death experience in three days. And apparently, no teacher nor her uncle, the headmaster, is worried at all that she has missed already three days of classes mid-semester. But whatever, she wakes up and she's terribly hungry, but she can't go to the cafeteria because of her twisted ankle. But fear not, mister, he doesn't like me because how could he like me since her room service. And since he doesn't know what she likes since they just met three days ago, he sends her a plate of everything. And not only he sends her breakfast, but he also texts her to see how she's doing the entire morning. You might be wondering, how did he get her phone number though? Well, I do not know. And Grace did not find it strange at all, not creepy. But who can blame her? She just got room service from the hottest guy at school. Sincerely, I will have like reacted the same way. So whatever. And not only that, but he also sends her a copy of Wait for it. 
Wait for it because you are not ready. He sends her a copy of Twilight and inside the book there is a note from him that says monsters are real. The audacity, I swear, the audacity of the other, I cannot. It is not as, as this book is so similar to Twilight. She had the audacity, the audacity of the guy gifting Grace the copy of Twilight. Sincerely, this was iconic. Oh, and this was it for me. That is the moment I realized that I'll be forever single because if my future boyfriend does not send me waffles to my room and sends me a copy of Twilight with a note that says monsters are real you know I don't want it I am sorry Jackson just set the standards way too high she sits with Macy and then Jackson and his minions arrive and sit with them and the entire room goes like oh my gosh what is coming on oh my gosh but just like literally just like when Edward sits in the cafeteria with Bella just saying and while Grace gets introduced to the order members Jackson walks her to class after that and after class Flynn proposes to escort her to her next class he takes her down um he takes her down the tunnels that she did not know that they existed down the tunnels she starts having this weird feeling towards Flynn she has an inner voice that tells her she is in danger she notices that his teeth are getting bigger and terrifying if she had only listened to Jackson when he told her to stay away from him but do not fear my beloved listeners because Leah arrives and decides to escort, escort her too midway down the tunnels that are covered by skulls you know the usual decoration for skulls while midway there is this earthquake and they need to run before they they get crushed And when they come out of the tunnel, Jackson is waiting for her outside the classroom and he loses his temper because she's with Flint. And she did not check her message messages. I mean, possessive much. Jeez. If you read the book, you know what I just did there. And for those who did not read it, well, I'll explain that at the end. She loses her temper and she yells at Flint and Jackson and she hurts baby Jackson's feelings. Poor baby. It is not like he was being super possessive towards a girl he just met and got called out for it. But whatever. More things happen. Grace has a mental breakdown and she goes running directionless in the castle again and she happens to arrive in front of the entrance of Jackson's room. How convenient. Where she starts crying and crying. When she stops, she realizes someone is looking at her. And yes, this person is Mr. Possessive Guy himself. And then they have this conversation in which they both share this moment of vulnerability because they are both suffering so, so much. And they are the only ones who understand each other's pain. I know I am saying it sarcastically, but I was digging that because if it, it like if it was not clear enough during the last episode of my podcast I have issues clearly and I can't help but find super attractive these tormented souls anyhow they have a makeout session and then if I am not messing up with the timeline in my head Jackson takes her to his room 
because they were talking outside his room, if it was not clear. She sees an original claimed inside his room that he later on admits that he bought because he reminded him of someone, but he hadn't met that someone yet. And that someone is obviously Grace. Why is it, but like, I have this issue, you know, guys. Why is it that every single time authors talk about art and paintings in young adult books, it is always claimed? Every single time. They need to stop. As an art history student, I can't stand this. Other painters painted romantic scenes. Why is it always claimed who is featured in books? I guess it's because of the kiss, but it's not as like a romantic painting. Like, I mean, it is romantic, but I think it's a little bit overrated, but whatever. Back to the story, Jackson and Grace have a heated makeout section. uh, And out of nowhere, there is another earthquake. This causes another twilight scene. Jackson steps away from Grace, just like Edward when when he kisses Bella in the forest. But here it is a little bit spicier because of the earthquake you know it's not just like stop no like the earth is shaking he's like stop and Jackson tells her to run and she does but then she loses consciousness and yeah this is her third near-death experience in four days Grace wakes up in the infirmary. The nurse tells her a window broke and got her artery in the neck and she almost died, but our dark prince charming saved her. And to this she goes like, where is Jackson? I need to see him. I need to make sure he's okay. And I was like, dude, chill. They just told you he's okay. Just rest, you know, like he's not going to go anywhere. Jeez. Later on, Jackson comes to check up on her, but Macy tells him Grace is asleep. Grace loses it because she was not asleep, and she runs after him. Well, kind of, since she's covered in bandages and she's dizzy because of the blood loss, you know? When she catches up to him, Jackson tells her to stay away from him because he's dangerous, just like Edward, you know? And Grace is like, no, you saved me. You are not a monster. You're a hero. And he goes like you don't know what you're talking about and he disappears and her world basically collapses because what will be a life without Jackson who she just met four days ago she's about to fall but Leah appears and catches her and takes her to her room Missy was so worried but she could not follow her it is not like Grace wasn't limping because of her ankle she definitely could not have gone after her but well after this Uh, Grace spams Jackson with messages. To this, Jackson decides, as the grown-ass vampire that he is, that the mature thing to do is to ghost her. Later on, Grace, who loves not listening to authority figures, removes her neck bandage when the nurse told her not to do so. And what does she see when she removes her bandage? Well, she sees two small dark circles. It is clear it was not a snake who did that. So she finally realizes that this guy, who happens to be extremely pale, who does not need a jacket in the cold, who is super strong and who happens to never eat, who gifted her a freaking copy of Twilight and said, monsters are real, is a vampire. And she has the audacity to be shocked and surprised. And well, obviously she loses it. She spams Jackson again and goes banging at 
at Jackson's door, Mickey, a member of the order, arrives. Um, she tells him she has been bitten. He texts uh, Jackson, who loses it too, since he says it was not him. Like, he doesn't lose it because she discovered he's a vampire. He loses it because someone bit her and that someone was not him. I swear this guy has possessiveness, uh, possessiveness issues, like another level. He instructs Mekki to be his bodyguard, uh, to her bodyguard until he returns. Like, possessive much? <laughs> Mickey takes her to her room, uh, where she calls out her cousin for lying to her since the beginning. Macy spills the tea about who really attends this school, so dragons, werewolves, vampires, and witches. Macy is a witch, as I had predicted. Then they decide to go to the cafeteria because they are hungry, and Grace is an independent woman who does not listen to what Jackson says, even when she has faced near-death experience multiple times because she did not listen to him. But before going to the cafeteria, Macy informs her that the bite in her neck is uh, of the nurse, who is a healer, and she injected her venom to save her. In the cafeteria, she meets Flint, who invites her to go sit with him. And she accepts because she low-key is pissed at Jackson, and she is petty as hell. And on her way to Flint's table, well, the chandelier falls. But our dark prince charming arrives just in time to save her one more time. And, um... And he gets, but he gets hurt, you know. But do not fear, because Grace has a first aid kit and she, in her bag, and as if he was not a vampire. And while she's busy taking care of her boyfriend, not boyfriend, the order circles them. Cringe. That was so cringy. And then her uncle arrives and takes her to his office. He apologizes for not having told her before that the school is filled with paranormal people. He also tells her that he's a warlock and that her father was a warlock too, but he renounced to his powers when he fell in love with her mother, who was a human, therefore making Grace a human too. He also tells her he wants to send her back to San Diego because he just realized this might be too dangerous for her. I mean, it's not like she just experienced her fourth near-death experience in less than a week but she cries and tells him she wants to stay with her family but we all know she wants to stay because of Jackson even the uncle knows it but well and he even tells her you know but whatever later on she decides to go to the library to learn about the mystical creatures she meets the librarian who is a witch and when she looks her, when she looks at Grace's uh, eyes like she she tells her you have more power than you think you have i suspect that she was also a witch like grace and that her powers were dormant just because she was a child of love and she was going to be the most powerful witch just because of that but i could have not been more mistaken Anyways, the librarian directs her to the dragon section of the library where Flint happens to be. He showcases some of his powers, he then gets all close to her and she pulls away. But then Flint receives a text from Jack, uh, from like someone in the school uh, about Jackson going nuts and making a statement. They run to where Jackson and his minions are. He basically punches, lifts, and drinks cold blood, the alpha of the werewolves, one of the two werewolves who attacked uh, Grace the first night. His minions are punching the rest of the werewolves, and to 
disgrace like goes like, "No, Jackson, don't do this. You're better than this." Again, and she tries to run to him, but she can't because there is this invisible barrier that she eventually can break. So she goes in and she approaches Jackson and she makes him stop just with the sound of her voice. And after almost killing a guy in front of the entire school, he takes her to his room and there they make out like hardcore, you know? Because, you know, horny teenagers. And almost killing a guy is obviously a turn on. And if I recall correctly, that is when Jackson confesses that he killed his late brother Hudson, Leah's ex-boyfriend, because he was evil and wanted to erase many races from par- of paranormals uh, of, like, the earth. He just wanted to commit genocide, you know? As well as, uh, he also wanted to, like, to kill turned vampires. Uh, so, in this book, Vampires can be born like Jackson and Hudson and they are turned vampires so just like normal vampires of like you know your normal vampires that someone bites another person and he turns to vampire but well Jackson tells Grace that born vampires have powers and each generation is more powerful Jackson's power is telekinesis and he was the one making the earthquakes but now that he can control his feelings it won't happen again and he tells her that Hudson's power was persuasion and that is how he was going to take the uh, he was going to take over the world like every good villain you know and that the scar that he has was given by his mother the vampire queen after he killed his brother the heir of the vampire monarchy because they were obviously princes and like so now jackson is like the heir of the monarchy of vampires and because of all of this uh, Jackson tells her that she can love him because he's a monster but Grace sees that he is the martyr hero he saved the world by sacrificing his feelings towards his brother she just sees a broken person just like her and then they make out again. Then the uncle arrives, he sends her to class, and he has a talk with Jackson because he almost killed another student, you know, the usual. Later on, Jackson tells Grace that it was it was Flint who tried to kill her during the snow fight, and that he was the one of the people in behind the chandelier incident with Cole, the werewolf he almost killed, and that's why he almost killed him. She's pissed and confronts Flint, who doesn't night it was him and tells her you wouldn't understand and to this grace was like clearly not what the hell i was really confused by this i mean isn't he supposed to be the second main lead like what was going on you know to be a cliche book it was not following the normal script and i was like i don't know what's going on but whatever let's continue she meets uh so grace meets with leah who invites her to hang out but she told her that she had plans with jackson you know her boyfriend grace also tells her she should try to reconnect with jackson since he misses her so much i forgot to mention but apparently leah used to be jackson's bff but after he killed her boyfriend well she started hating him you know because like he killed her boyfriend, so yeah. Grace goes to Jackson's room for their date. He takes her out from the window uh, of his room where he then proceeds to ask her if she trusts him to what she says, yes. They have their little Aladdin moment right there. He makes them levitate up in the sky to, so she can see the northern lights. And, and right there, 
he gives her a beautiful pendant and a kiss. Once again, Jackson sets the standards too high. If I don't have a boyfriend who, apart from bringing me waffles and twilight to my room, he doesn't elevate me in the air to appreciate, appreciate the northern lights and gives me a beautiful pendant, I don't want it, you know? They go back to the room where Jackson brews the tea Leah brought to him after Grace talked to her. After drinking the tea, they make out again. He bites her as usual and then he can't stop himself and it's about to kill her. But he has just enough self-control to stop and tells her to run again. This is like the fifth time or something. She meets Leah while going downstairs. She shots Grace and Jackson with a tranquilizer. And before we get to the action, I forgot to mention, but Jackson and Grace are mates. This means they are meant to be with each other and their souls are connected. And like, that's why they have this super intense attraction because they are like meant to be, but in another level, like there's this connection and every normal person has a mate and they were just lucky enough to get to know each other before like being older or something but now back to the story grace wakes up in a dungeon she's all tied up in a ritual table do you usually know she manages to set a hand of free uh, a hand free but not without harming herself she then manages to set herself free and the voice inside her head who had been warning her of stuff since the beginning urges her to run to save herself but she hears Leah battling with someone and she needs to go check that it is not Jackson I mean why listen to the inner voice who has warned you all this time when bad stuff was about to happen so she limps to where she hears the fight is taking place because I must remind you it has been just a week since she twisted her ankle and almost died three more times in between when she arrives to the uh, action scene she sees it is Leah and a dragon, so Flint fighting. Grace then tries to move as fast as possible to the nearest exit, but Flint catches her and almost kills her with his claws. Then he almost strangles her on his human form while telling her sorry and that he wishes he didn't have to kill her, but he needs to stop Psycho Leah to bring Jackson back to life. Grace understands this, but still doesn't want to die, you know? And when when he's about to kill her, Jackson arrives and saves her. He starts fighting with Flint. Grace takes this opportunity to crawl to the nearest exit, but Psycho Leah grabs her by the hair and drags her down to the ceremonial room again. Grace fights as much as she can, and she ends up burning Leah's spellbook, but Leah is no dummy. She memorized the book like a good psychotic villain, you know? Jackson tries to enter the room, but he's a vampire, and he, was not in, he has not been invited to the room he uses all his powers but he just can't leah does her ritual and for it to be complete she needs grace to open her mouth and swallow this smoke that i suppose is hudson but we are not sure about that but then our hero smashes the wall and he fights with leah with who is winning so grace grabs the ceremonial knife and kills her then the smoke tries to kill jackson so grace does the only thing she could do, so she opens her mouth and swallows it. But even then, Jackson is about to die, so she gives her a lot to drink, and then she passes out. 
Grace wakes up in the infirmary. Jackson goes on his Edward mode and tells her, he should leave her because if not, she will never be safe. How exasperating. Didn't he read Twilight? He gave a copy to Grace, so he did read it. Doesn't he know what happens if he leaves her? She's going to bond with the Jacob, so here Flint, and she will go through more near-death experiences. He should know better, but whatever. It is all nice and pink now. They make out multiple times because, you know, horny teenagers, and on her first day back to school again, while leaving the cafeteria with Jackson, Hudson materializes in front of them with a sword. He's about to cut Jackson's head off, but Grace is quicker and puts herself before it hits Jackson, and then the end. You might be like, what the hell? How is this the end? Well, do not fear, my friends, because there is a final chapter from Jackson's point of view. Obviously, Grace did not die. I mean, there are four books in this series, and let's remember that the librarian told Grace, you have more power than you think, so obviously she used that power. Now, What do you think is her power? Or what type of paranormal do you think she is? Please pause the podcast right now and leave in the comments the answer to that question. Now that you did that, well, get ready. Grab your chair if you are sitting and sit if you are standing because you are not ready for this. So, Grace is a gargoyle. Yeah, you heard right. A fucking gargoyle. I need to give extra points to the author for this. This is the first time I read a book about gargoyles. And well, Grace is trapped on her statue form and no one knows how to bring her back. Hudson is missing. Grace might have taken him like him with her, but we do not know. We only know she's stalked in her gargoyle form and that the evil Hudson is missing. And well, that's the end of the book. Now, time for an overall review. It is a super cliche book that that is for sure. All the characters speak the same way. I felt they all had the same personality. They are all sarcastic. They are always saying, "You know what? Bite me when they are when they their people. I found that super weird and annoying, to be honest. They also answered back with something much, like sarcastic much, and I was like, why do you all speak the same? Like, why, you know? I didn't I didn't like that. It is confusing. Like, I, like it, it is a book that is really easy to read, to read, but like that, I was just like, ugh, I had to go back sometimes to check who was talking, because it was not that clear, you know? And it gets boring that everyone expresses themselves in the same way. Nonetheless, I enjoyed the book a lot. It was really funny and the chapter's titles were hilarious. Sometimes I had to take screenshots and send them to Catherine or to my best friend in Mexico um, because they were way too funny. This is one of the books that is so bad, that is so good, you know? I would have given it a 2.5, but because it made me laugh a lot and because this book is the reason why I created my mini book club with Catherine, I'll give it an extra point, so 3.5 out of 5 stars. 
Now, if you like this episode, please like, comment, and subscribe. I will be really, really uh, appreciated, and it will be really helpful if you could also share this with your friends so this podcast can reach more people and hopefully make them laugh. You can also follow me at my new uh, on my new Instagram account at your favorite young adult bookworm. Just the title of this podcast. Um, I'll be sharing some exclusive content there. So I recommend you to follow me so you don't miss out on that. And I'll see you next week.